Welcome everybody to another episode of Amplify Your Business. And this one, you're going to want to sit and take it all in because with me today is another farm kid from the peace country who has left the farm, started a business, well, started many, many businesses. And so we're going to get into that and his backstory. But first, I want to welcome to the show, Pyrrhus Kroll. He is the founder and CEO of Insurely. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Lance. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah. So... Right off the hop, before we get into all the rest of the, the stories around the businesses that you've been involved with, I want to know with your, what has it been, 18 years of entrepreneurial experience, something like that? Yeah, right there, what, yeah. Yeah, what would you say are the three things that every entrepreneur needs to know? <laughs> okay, well, let's get right into it, hey, shall we? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah I, that's a good question. I think the top three things for me and, and that I would like to share with your audience is, is number one, embrace failure. Failure has morphed for me over the years and it sounds counterintuitive, but failure has been pretty great in my life because there's a lot of things that I've tried that I've failed at. And, and that could be anything from say marketing to hiring to, uh, to lines of revenue. But what I found was really cool was out of that failure rises something pretty unique. And I mean, I can go in later about some of the failures and, and my existing business aren't failures, but things have changed. You've tried things. So one, embrace failure. Uh, we've got a rule actually in our current company where we welcome failure. You have permission to fail in our company. That means you're trying something hard enough that you have the chance to fail. So number one, failure. Yeah. Um, number two, for me, it's always been continuous learning. I was sharing uh, before we hit record here. I'm not a Harvard graduate by any means. I just just work as hard as I possibly can. And part of that was learning, um, continuous learning books that I found helpful, other people, mentors, and just by yeah. learning, like the business world is so dynamic with new technologies and trends and strategies all the time. So as an entrepreneur, you just have to keep up with that. And then that's challenging to do. So continuous learning. Uh, number three, kind of going back to the work ethic for me, it's always been that resilience piece, which is the failure and then persistence. And that's really been my secret. Um, I've never claimed I'm smarter than the next person, but what I will claim is that I will work harder than you. So I've always leaned on that strength. It's worked really well for me. It's backfired at times too, when you just try to work yourself out of a, a problem, but work yeah. really, really hard. And uh, a guy once told me, and it's stuck with me, but there's a big difference between nine to five money and seven to seven money. And whether that's po positive or not, it's it's been a bit of a mantra. So yeah, work hard. Um, you can overcome a lot of obstacles if you're just willing to put the effort in. Yeah. And, and I said at the beginning when I introduced you that you're a, a farm boy as well. And, and mm -hmm. that was one of the things that I always thought I brought to the table or that came with me, I guess, as an entrepreneur is from the farm. You're always around entrepreneurial people. I mean, uh, to, to keep a farm going, you're doing a lot of different things. But so you have that mindset. But mm -hmm. the work ethic was always something that I was super proud of that I was able to draw upon that. And so I, I echo you in the sense of like, I'll outwork you, man. Like, yeah. and, and if there's something that somebody else is doing in the marketplace, you know, it's like, if somebody else has figured it out, I can damn well figure it out too. Uh, it's that, sure. uh, you know, that, that I, I don't know, flexibility. And that's one of the things again on the farm where it's like when that tractor breaks down, you're out in the field and you don't have parts, you got to run to town for it and they don't have any or whatever. Sometimes you just have to figure it out to get that crop in or get it harvested or whatever the case might be. And so yeah. that I think is unique about us farm kids. 
but yeah, I no, I, I, I agree with you. I mean, I, I can remember times as a kid where you're in a piece of machinery or it breaks down and, and you want to just, you know, and then necessarily have cell phones at the time, you'd pull over and go, geez, I'd love to call the mechanic, but then, you know, you're calling yourself. Right. And in my case, it was myself and my, my father or whoever, but so yeah, you yeah. fixed it. You're, you're the entrepreneur, you're the janitor, you're the, you're the, you're the everything, right? Like everything between. Yeah. So totally get it. Love the work ethic that came from it though. Yeah. Now, I, I really like the, what you were saying in terms of that you enable your staff to, to fail. You give them that permission to fail. And, and so that is, if I would imagine the, the idea behind that is if you're, if you're not pushing the limits, you're not going to grow as well as you can either as an individual or the company itself. Mm -hmm. And so you're always going to bump into failure when you're pushing, when you're on that edge, right? And so is that the the intention there? Is it's like you try to get to that as close to that edge as you can. Obviously you don't want the failure, but if you do fail, that's okay because we've learned a lot from that. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it has a lot to do with it because when we're looking at our company and our people, I think it's it's a couple of things. But one of the major ones was I've noticed that if 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 our employees are afraid to fail, then you're not pushing the envelope, so to speak. But then you're not taking risks. You're not trying to better. You're not trying to improve something. You're just trying to do status quo. And status quo is great in, in a lot of businesses. But, you know, what yeah. we're trying to do and what we're trying to build for, for a lot of like-minded individuals, you need to push the envelope a little bit. And so by allowing our staff to fail, they can go and try something. Don't get me wrong. We're not we're not just winging it here. But, you know, yeah. if there's something go, hey, this has the potential to, be, potential to be really hard and we might not hit the mark, then I would rather try that because I think for us, we would rather you know, shoot for the mark and miss then have that what if in the back of your mind. And, and I know as well as probably you, if you don't try it, guarantee you 60 days from now, someone just did that idea and you're, uh, you know what, we should, we should have pushed just slightly harder. So we're, we're always trying to push the envelope, whether that's a marketing or, or revenue or, or something along those lines. And, and I think, I honestly, I think I ripped that off from uh, was some NASA or Google or something. And I just was really fascinated by, you can get a group of people together that are all pulling their own in the same direction and really trying to, trying to push the envelope, magical things can come of it. So, yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I agree. And I think that's exactly where, you know, you look at guys like Elon Musk, mm -hmm. right? I mean, that guy lives in a place of comfort around failure. Like he is pushing those teams that he has in all those different companies right to the brink of disaster, I think in a lot of respect. Right. And, and they, that's, that's how you get the, the, the the unicorn that's how you get those sure. massive wins is if you can live in that in that area um yeah. without it you're never going to have those big massive home runs well and and yeah i mean to follow that too like what i've found and and i i know some of this i ripped off from nasa for sure but elon musk is a great example but when we're looking at failure we're not looking from like start to finish and it's this huge divide like a lot of things we're doing in our company we're we're, we're kind of you know picturing that getting from a, let's say the get to the moon, right? You're not, you don't go into NASA and say, okay, how do we get this thing off the ground and we hit the moon? It's like, how do we get this thing stood up? How do we get lift off? How do we get it to upper atmosphere? And so you start chunking it. And so we don't mind pushing the limits in those chunks because you're going to fail, but you're going to figure it out and, and something beautiful is going to come from it. So no, yeah. I couldn't agree with you more. Yeah, completely. Okay. So now in Shirley is the business that you've been growing for the last few years um, tell me a little bit about it and uh, what problem you're trying to solve with this particular business. 
Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, Insurly is a digital online insurance brokerage operating in Canada. So essentially, uh, we're not trying to change consumer behavior. That's changed, and we're we're trying to get the insurance company to, or the insurance industry to keep up to it. And what that really means is we're digitizing the experience. So you can go online, enter some information about yourself, uh, your property, if, if you're trying to insure a home or a condo or something like that. And then we have connections with insurance companies where we pass rates and coverages back and forth. Ultimately, you're able to pick the coverage you want in real time, buy it via debit card, credit card, whatever you wish, and then the policy is purchased and it sends all the documents um, in an email instantly. So this entire process takes 10 minutes or less. Yeah. So the problem we're solving, to be honest, it, as much as the technology moves so much faster than, say, our, our, our competitors, our peers, the problem we're really solving, Lance, is is customer service. And I always get this weird face when I say that, but we truly mean it. By having the technology do what it's able to do, we can focus on an amazing customer experience. And and I mean, our company, customer service is North Star, and it sounds like a pitch, but it's really not. We live and breathe it. And we're so like, we can, we can deliver on it because we're not spending all of our time in, in the mundane side of it. So that's, that's the problem we're trying to solve. Yeah. And, and I think it's absolutely brilliant because I mean, that is one of the most frustrating things when you're dealing with something that is really a commodity for the most part, it's just, it, it's, it's pump, punching in the numbers, right. And figuring out where you fit within the tables and everything is kind of, kind of set up already. And so you don't need somebody to, you know, guide you through that on the phone necessarily and take the time or, or back and forth uh, trying to book that meeting with the insurance advisor. Just being able to fill something out online in today's world is like it, it's table stakes. And yet there's so many of these industries that are so slow moving. I mean, COVID pushed a lot of them into the light a, a little bit uh, for sure, because it was a necessity. But you guys were, you know, doing this well before that. So you know, was that born out of a frustration that you saw happening? Uh, because as I understand it, you had a previous bricks and mortar company that was not, I guess, focused on the this mm -hmm. uh, customer experience being so uh, tailored and, and easy to use on online. Yeah, well, absolutely. I mean, the, the insurely piece, like when we're looking at it, we're really looking at going our, our industry, where are the friction spots and that's what we're trying yeah. to overcome and we've overcome a lot of the friction and and really the premise behind insurely again we're not changing consumer behavior but you know to kind of go back so that we can go forward um yeah prior to to insurely i had a uh, brick and mortar insurance companies and we the, the whole story of insurely actually oddly as it is uh we had a company we bought a few companies amalgamated them together we were doing quite well and I built this building, a purpose-built building. I thought it was going to be in it forever. It was a shrine to our company. It was, it was amazing. And so we had this two-story uh, entryway lobby, if you will. And my office was on the second floor or look the front, the lobby. I was very proud of it. And I would notice that every day between 12 and 1 and 1 to 2, there would be people sitting in our lobby on our couch waiting to buy personal insurance. And the process would take all of their lunch hour and another day or two after because of all the manual entry. And I'm sitting here going, I'm I'm working through my lunch. It's showing up off of like Uber and I'm ordering my presents off Amazon. But yet someone's got to drive across town in their lunch hour, sit in a stranger's office. I'm going, yeah. this is this is so crazy. But insurance is one of those industries that's very slow to respond in, 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 in some realms. And so we thought, you know what? I love what we've done here. I think we've accomplished our goal, what I set out to initially. I think it's time to 
pivot and create another company that's really based around technology and, and kind of elevating that customer service, if you will, and, and on a move forward basis. And so that's really the story of Insure. It was just based off this necessity of even looking at, because I, I essentially threw, I didn't throw a bomb, I sold it, but you threw kind of this arrow at this existing business going, I think we can do this differently and I think we can do this better and just yeah. pivoted, pivoted and, and really in the course of the year and, and started down this new path, which is incredibly exciting. Yeah. And it's really interesting because as an entrepreneur, um, I'm, I'm a bit of a tinkerer, right? I, mm -hmm. I like to uh, look at the structure of my business and tinker and move things around and, and try to find, you know, greater efficiencies or, or bring in a different service or do something that's going to enhance, uh, you know, the success of our business, but also the way that we can respond to clients and so on. So there's always something that can be adjusted and tweaked mm -hmm. and so on. Um, and I think you're somebody who looks at the status quo and goes, ah, that's not, that's, that's not good enough. But yeah, like you kind of threw a bomb into it, uh, right. and, and just blew it up and said, I'm going to do this completely different. And that's fascinating to me where it wasn't something that you thought, you know what, I'm going to, to try to evolve my current one. I'm going to sell that and start over. Can you talk mm -hmm. to me about that a little bit? Because I'd imagine that must've been kind of scary, but, and, and, and difficult as well to uh, kind of give up on what was your baby really, right? Yeah, no, actually, that's a, that's a great question. The, it, looking back now, it's, it's a little bit easier. I mean, hindsight, right? But the, at the time, the reason that I didn't want to digitize our current business is because digitizing a current business at times can be very, very challenging. And I think there's other founders that I've talked to have experienced that very thing when the world is moving really quickly. Uh, the last three months have been wild, let alone you know having a company that's maybe three, five, ten years old. And so for me, I thought, you know what, I think there's opportunity in selling the company that I currently had to a competitor and starting this new entity and building it from scratch. And and you know what's really hard about building a company from scratch is the fact that you got to start over and build something from scratch. Uh, and yeah. the second time around is quite interesting because you you, you kind of call look at yourself in the mirror and go, okay, well. Hopefully that first one wasn't all about luck. Let's let's try to do this again, right? And so we, yeah, we got off the ground and we ended up just having a plan sticking to it. Digitizing was, in, in some ways, it wasn't distracting because you didn't have an existing business that you were trying to mold. You just took this net new, but in the same breath, net new has uh, no revenue. So that makes it challenging itself as well. But it was just, it seemed like the right thing to do. Um, yeah. But yeah, the entrepreneurial journey from starting that company to exiting it was, was fascinating. Um, but it felt necessary in order to move forward with what I wanted to do. Yeah. You know, and, and what you just said there in terms of, uh, uh, you know, that, I don't know if it would be inertia or just the structure, the, 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 the culture, everything that is tied to that entity itself to then get it to pivot and to, to do the things as quickly and to evolve uh, and to, to take on, you know, push the limits of failure and everything else. It's, it's really difficult to mm -hmm. shift the culture of an existing organization. And I, and I think we're seeing that actually in live time right now with uh, Google as an example with AI, right? So they're the ones who invented a lot of the AI that's mm -hmm. being used. And yet they seem like they're trailing right now, open AI because uh, open AI didn't have, you know, the burden of this existing business model that was going to potentially be blown up because of AI. And so they could just jump right into it and take the risks that Google couldn't because 
Google had to still at the same time kind of protect their goose egg, their golden goose egg of the uh, of, of the ad model of, of search and everything else. Right. So. So, Absolutely. yeah, I, I can see where it makes a lot of sense to just be like, OK, we're, this is going to be a totally different culture, a totally different kind of kind of business. It just doesn't make sense to evolve it. Um, you said that uh, you talked to some other entrepreneurs as and and kind of got some guidance that way. So talk to me a little bit about that. Um, as you have been in business and have had a multiple t- different types of businesses, what role does like an advisory board, whether it's formal or informal or mentors or coaches play in your development personally as an entrepreneur, but then also professionally as, as you know, this business entity and taking the advice of others? Yeah, no, absolutely. I think, I think it's monumental. And and to say I've got a close group of, say, business mentors wouldn't necessarily be correct, but I've always been a believer of the proximity is power piece where you're surrounding yourself with people. And I mean, it it takes a certain entrepreneurial mind uh, to be able to have that conversation and not, not from an intellect piece, but, you know, if you go to a dinner party with, with, with a bunch of strangers who don't have business experience and go, or me, my life was hard today. They're going, oh yeah, real tough, real tough. And and so having that support system. So I do have friends, uh, colleagues I talk to essentially across North America, different industries, albeit, but we bounce ideas of each other because I've found over the years, you generally have very similar problems. It's going to be uh, a limiting belief or it's going to be say uh, HR employee issues. Um, again, second guessing, you know, getting into that new, new revenue metric or, or something like that. And and so I've, I've found um, huge solace in kind of bouncing ideas off others. But again, I've always been a, a lone wolf as well. So I, I listen and we, we can share ideas. And But I think one thing that's been really powerful for me um, is the fact that I, this was probably about five years now, I've had the same business coach. And so this business coach for me plays a pretty important role. Half of it feels like psychological and the other half is really just bouncing these business ideas. But what's really cool about this is it's a neutral party. So I have a recurring meeting where we talk about my company and my challenges. And it often gets to the point where it's not even about business at all. It's about personal beliefs and limitations. And and working through those with someone who understands, I think, is incredibly beneficial. And I recommend most people to try and do that because if you don't have that, say, that support system immediately, you got to find that support system because business is hard and it can it can take everything from you. It can give everything to you, but it can take everything from you. And, and having that 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 system where you can nurture your ideas and for me actually i want to share lance one story because there's one thing that keeps popping in mind as i'm speaking so this business coach to me as we were starting in shirley i at my point in my life sold a company very comfortable uh felt like i could do anything in this world but here i am starting another company from the industry i just left so i was talking to my business coach i said here's the thing i'm nervous this is going to take this is going to take a good amount of money uh, that I'm going to invest this thing to get off the ground. And I'm, I'm nervous. I'm not sure what to do. And this individual said to me, um, okay, let me put it this way. You're a betting man. I said, somewhat. And they said, so if you walked into a casino and you're, you're going to you know, bet on blackjack, you, you'd know the rest. And I said, yeah, I would. So, okay, let me ask you this. What's the chance that you're going to fail? And I said, I, honestly, I don't know. She give me a number. And I said, oh, well, I'm, like, I'm 70% sure this is going to work. She goes, okay, perfect. Let's switch it now. You take 70% odds to the blackjack table. How often are you going to play blackjack? I said, oh, I'm going to stay there all night. Yeah. She goes, there's your answer. She's like, if you're going to bet on anyone, bet on yourself. And, and that's always stuck with me. And as obvious as that is, it was that 10-minute conversation where we went, 
Yeah, thank you. I needed to hear that. I am going to bet on myself. There's a chance. There's failure, and you always know what failure is. And, and bankruptcy, not death. It's bankruptcy. And I said, yeah, I'm willing to take that risk. Let's go. And it was a really cool experience. So, so yeah, I recommend everyone if you don't have someone, find someone because it when you don't know you need it till you need it. Yeah, you know, because a lot of times we just don't have that person, even if you have a partner within the business. It's sometimes really hard to have some of the conversations with the partner, but. It, if you don't have a partner, you literally at times don't have anybody to really talk about some of the challenges that you have and really trying mm -hmm. to work through those. And I love that your coach focuses on both the personal side, it sounds like. So the, the personal beliefs and, and limiting beliefs and so on, and the professional and the business and the, the numbers and, and that kind of stuff. Like it's, that's a really nice balance to have because mm -hmm. that is one of, I think, you know, you just said a truth bomb there, which is you got to believe in yourself. Like if you're going to bet on it, bet on yourself. But I think also the biggest limitation that you have is probably yourself as well. 100%. And so you just have to bust through that thinking sometimes. Yeah. Like yeah, it's it's funny because that that conversation in itself is even more after the last five years I get started with, you know, can I do this to, yes, you can do this. And, and that conversation now it's more to like, man, take care of your health. And now we're morphed into like the spirituality piece of like, why are you doing all this? Take care of yourself, take care of others. And so it's funny how even the progression yourself, you watch it over a five year period when you're essentially documenting it and you, you have this reoccurring role in your life. So yeah, I agree yeah. with you. So uh, tell me a little bit about, um, you know, from a, a personal standpoint, entrepreneurship, what do you find the most challenging aspects of being an entrepreneur? knowing that this is, this is your life. I mean, you've been at this for many years, lots of different businesses. Um, so what do you find the most challenging, even at this stage of your career, I guess, or your journey? Yeah. I mean, uh, my, my mind wants to pull me in a few different directions, but you know, some of the challenges that I've found lately are one, keeping up to trends, not that you have to keep up to every trend, but there, the, the learning curve is so quick these days. Like I, it wasn't that long ago, I was trying to take a paper or a company from paper files to paperless. And now we're in this tech company where we are pretty much done developing our AI chatbot that's going to assist us. And it's, it, you're looking at it going, whoa. So to me, the entrepreneurial journey is not always it's keeping up this, but not that we always need to create the next Facebook or what have you, but that is extremely challenging. And so from my role as the, the leader, we've got great people have great ideas, but generally I'm always the one to take the first step because we need to drive it. So I find it incredibly challenging to uh, wake up every day with this invigor, this energy, and just plowing through problems and challenges in the world around us, trying to uh, navigate. So I mean, there's lots of challenges, but I, for me lately, Lance, anyways, that just seems to be that's the challenge. Get up, find an idea. Which idea are we going to chase down? Again, tied back to that failure piece, but just, just, just chasing it down. That entrepreneurial journey is so challenging lately. Yeah, yeah, I I totally agree. The pace of change that AI is going to alone infuse into every industry is just mind-boggling and and this is like what we can comprehend at this moment in time it's mind-boggling mm -hmm. but i mean we just don't know where this is all going to take us it's going to be uh, quite the ride i think and uh, quite the surprise for a lot of entrepreneurs and so i'm just thrilled to hear that you guys are getting in front of that with your business right now too because um you know i was at a at a, a session that did workshopping a little bit i uh, had a couple uh, guest speakers come in and talk about ai and 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 one of the quotes 
that was provided is there's going to be two different kinds of companies in the future, right? There's going to be those who embraced AI and there's going to be those who are no longer in existence. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like it's, it's not like uh, you could do one or the other. It, it, it is you, you're going to have to figure out a way to embrace it and you have to do it quickly because your competition's going to figure it out and eat your lunch if they, if you don't. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, it's, I know companies that still have fax machines and yeah. you know, you know what I mean? Like how do you digitize when you've got that and then you've got the tech that we've got available to us now? It is, yeah, it's, it's challenging for sure. It's, it's definitely benefiting our company, but it, it can yeah. be challenging. So yeah, keep yeah. up to it. So what is easier now for you at this stage of your entrepreneurial journey uh, than what it would have been, say, when you were first starting your your first business or the bricks and mortar insurance company that you had. What what's easier for you now, having been in those entrepreneurial trenches as long as you have? Uh, I think what's easier. I mean, I trust myself a lot more now. Yeah. Uh, a lot of these things, I you start to see patterns, and if you can take a moment to figure out a pattern and know you've been through something similar. Like I, I kind of associate like the gym, like you start somewhere and I don't know what you're picking up. Let's say you're doing 25 pound weights and you do that for a while, then you're on the 30. So what was once hard becomes easy. And so for the second go around with the business, I've found that some of these patterns, whether that's employees or challenges are all very different, but they're all very much the same. And I like looking at that because there is, there is challenges that I had 10 years ago that I would give anything to have today. And those were monumentous. And, and it's so to me, like that is there's just a big part of the journey now is kind of, you know, using that past experience. And, and you know, a lot of it has to do, again, believing in yourself and, and putting yourself out there. A lot of my limiting belief, I'll go back to the farm kid, to be honest, I can't believe I'll say this, but like a lot of time when I was growing up, I thought of myself as just this dumb farm kid. And that's not against any farmer, but that was my limiting belief of going, I'm, I don't really have a skill set. Like I graduated, but I didn't go to Harvard or anything like that. I didn't even go to university. But so that was my belief. So when I started a business, I'm going, okay, like work hard, work hard. I don't know anything else. Whereas now I've kind of made peace with, with myself going, I am still that dumb farm kid, but I've got a few tricks up my sleeves and a few things I've learned that are helping me kind of move forward as a business owner, as a human being. And, and so I really like to lean on that piece for sure. But I mean, I've got lots of stories about, um, what was once hard and, and what's now is easy. I've even wrote myself notes. It's been, it's been awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's funny that like what you're talking about there is uh, kind of that imposter syndrome that we all get struck by. And it doesn't matter what our background is because, you know, I've talked to the Harvard grads actually. Um, mm -hmm. And what they would say is they just didn't have the life experience coming out of Harvard and that. So yeah, they had the MBA and they had all these expectations or people had expectations upon them. And they felt like they were the biggest imposter in the room because they they knew what the textbook said. They knew what the case study uh, results were going to be, but you start trying to apply that in the real world. It's a little bit different, right? And so so they always felt like they were an imposter in the room. So I, I, don't, I don't think it matters what your background is. <laughs> I don't think it matters how much experience you have. I was talking to a gentleman actually uh, here last week, actually. And uh, so an entrepreneur local here in Edmonton, and uh, we were having a drink and he is probably, I don't know his exact age, but I would say that he's, he's well into his sixties. 
And, uh, and he said, you know, like, I just feel like an imposter at times. And I was like, no, oh, man. how's that possible? You've got decades and decades of experience. And it's just, I, I don't think we ever lose it. Actually, I, I, I agree with you. I, I, I've seen that myself and I've often wondered the same thing. I'm going, do we all experience this to some extent? Like at what point do you cross that finish line and go, I made it. I've got the confidence. Like, I know there's a few people that have this confidence, but for the most part, like I was, this was a couple of weeks ago, I was with a, a gentleman uh, uh, who's, who's well-known, uh, has a pretty good social media following. And he said to me, he's like, man, I'm jealous of what you're doing. And I like, look behind me, said, he's like me, he said, dude, like you're, you got your life figured out. And he goes, no, like, and there was always that grass is always greener. And then all of a sudden yeah. you've seen like right away, you've seen this, that imposter syndrome, that, that fear. And like, it was like, wow, okay, we're, we're, we're similar. You're a little bit better looking at more of a following, but we're very similar. Like it was so cool. So yeah, I think we all go through it. I think we all go through yeah. it. Yeah, completely. Okay. So now when it comes to, uh, and Shirley, so yeah. you've got goals, you've got places where you want to take this business. So what do you think is going to be the biggest challenge or challenges that you're going to face, say in the next, you know, uh, 12 months, 24 months to reach that next goal, that next plateau that you're looking for? And how are you going to overcome those challenges? Yeah, I, I mean, we have we have two challenges on our roadmap, two very different challenges. One challenge is our connectivity. So we hook up with insurance companies in Canada and we're able to provide coverages instantly by uh, uh, an API connection, uh, as an yeah. example. So one of our challenges is not that the insurance companies have fax machines in their office. They don't. They're tech savvy. But at the, the pace that I want to move our tech, some of these carriers aren't moving as quickly. So we can't connect. So we've got we've got an issue where we've got a great distribution model, an amazing product, great service. And we need more companies come on board and adopt this technology so we can all move forward together. Yeah. So challenge number one is having these conversations with people of going, you may not see it today, but in three years from now, it's going to be very evident this is the way we're going. And, yeah. you know, I always have a conversation. I go, unless you're not betting on the internet, maybe the internet's a fad and it's going to disappear, but I likely think in three years. And so that is a big challenge for us is trying to get these big nationals to look at this stuff and go, Hey, we, we, we want to work with you. We just got to figure out how to make our tech talk. And sometimes yeah. our tech is a lot better. So it's a challenge. Yeah. You're, you're having to move the, the, the industry really, right. You're kind of dragging them forward in some yeah. cases, especially those monster companies that yeah, yeah have that uh, resistance, that natural resistance, the inertia that we were talking about earlier. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's the, the vendor side is, is challenging. And, and then that brings us, I mean, the challenge number two for us really is, and again, going down that AI path where our distribution model is working very, very well. And we have a lot of raving customers. So scale is actually our next challenge that we have uh, identified on our radar and, yeah. and scale really takes people in a technological based company. We can overcome some of that, but in insurance, there's certain licensing requirements and, and things of that nature where we can't go out and hire 50 to hundred bodies. There's certain protocols and parameters we need to, to get that up, up and running. Whereas with the, we'll just call it the AI piece that we're building. We're going to be able to facilitate that journey with this intelligence that knows everything about our business, everything about our products and, and can answer every question. So we're trying to stand that up as well to support the scalability. We'll, we'll always have human beings in our firm, hundred percent majority. And to be honest, a lot of what we do is, is we call it broker assisted live agents touch almost every file, 95% of them, to be honest, but we're going to have this AI piece that's going to help us scale. And I think that's going to empower us. At least that's what the plan is because that's our challenge. Empower our agents to, to do more human human interactions and not bog us down. So 
on the roadmap, those are our two big hurdles. And I, and I think we can overcome both, but I mean, time will tell, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really interesting um, to hear that scale. I was a little surprised that that that's was one of your big roadblocks or, or potential bumps along the way. I mean, um, because of you being such a tech focused business and I was just thinking, well, yeah, like the technology is going to be there. That's, that should be one of your least concerns compared to, you know, the plumber down the street who, uh, the only way he's going to grow is how to hire more plumbers, right? So, sure, so, uh, yeah, yeah. But I, I see what you mean in terms of it's you definitely have to have that oversight and the the legislation aspect, yeah. the licensing aspect of it is something that is going to limit that uh, ability to the scale as quickly, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and it's 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 one of those things like for us, even you know, being let's let's just pick you know we're, we're, we've got clients in British Columbia and then on the other side of Canada we've got clients in Ontario and the like. And so like all of these parameters, different rules, different regulations, different time zones, and even in our system, like you can go through and, and, and you might stop and have a question about a certain a coverage as an example. And the previous technology that we had was, yeah, here's a knowledge base, here's an article, help you out. And then a person reads that for about three lines and goes, no, I'm just going to pick up the phone or text or chat you. So now we want to have that AI where it's responsive and has that human language where you can ask, well, what is this? And he goes, glad you asked that. Here's yeah. the answer. If you want to talk to us, book now. Here's a meeting link. Call us. And so we just kind of remove that friction. So I think for us, um, it's going to be a it's going to be an important part of our scaling. And I think we're fortunate that, yeah, the, the plumber may not have the same um, idea at scale, but I think we're going to use it to our advantage. And I think it's yeah. going to be a powerful tool. So here, here's a, a question, kind of put you on the spot here. Sure. What what is the most expensive lesson you've had to learn along the way? Oh boy. Most expensive lesson. Yeah. Man, Lance, you, I, you know what? I, I have quite a few lessons. I think, uh, I, I've learned, uh, I've learned, okay, let me put it this way. So my personality is very forward, very rammy, very driven. And so I've got countless expensive lessons where I've bought certain companies that I've overpaid for. Um, I, I skate through the due diligence process because I just, I'm just like, let's get this thing done. So we have some things pop up, some skeletons in the closet there. I won't put a monetary value on that one. Yeah. Um, uh, I'll use an example. This one's pretty easy. But even building uh, this building, I was building a shrine for this company. And I hired a company and just put a whole bunch of trust into them. And I said, build this thing. And then they'd say, do you want this? Yeah, I want that. I want that. I want that. Never, never really thought about, I knew we had a budget. I trusted that they were staying inside of it. So we ended up building this building and yeah. we were, 20, 30% over at the end. And, and so to me, that's just kind of a testament to my expensive lesson. So, uh, and I'll, I'll tie this together. This is going to work great. I promise. But so this building was too expensive. It made me feel terrible about my decisions, but that's why I was right. I'm like, ran it down, like built this thing. I got things to worry about. And at the end, you look back and going, man, if I just would have spent like 10 more hours, I would have saved myself. I don't know, like three, 400 yeah. or something or whatever it was. Yeah. And so I ended up developing not this mantra. I stole this mantra. Um, I, I think it was a Navy SEALs, but it's slow is smooth, smooth is fast. And so I actually use this mantra quite a bit. I used it this morning in our firm because we've, we've got this deadline that just showed up miraculously. And so I love the line because it really speaks to everything I'm not, which is just perfect. So I, I feel like I should get it tattooed on my arm or something. But yeah. 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 yeah I like it. I like it a smooth. lot. And I, I, I think I'm similar to you in that I don't have the patience sometimes. Right. Um, and I, I get caught up in that. Like there's so many other things that I need to be focused on and you kind of 
trust that other people have their eye on some of those other details. I could just see that on the budgeting part of it with the, with the building. It's like, yeah, they're not going to come to me and ask me if it's going to be outside of the budget. Of course not. So it's like, yeah, you want that? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you guys got that all figured out, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This, yeah. It's like, I mean, even on the insurance piece, now that you think about it, like, I mean, I've spent probably a million dollars more than I plan to on this thing and we're not yeah. done. And, and so, you know, you go into it naive and go, so the most expensive lesson is just just life in general. Like I'm just just doing the best I can with what I've got, and and yeah. uh, some things are more expensive than others. And like I said, though, as long as you know failure to me is bankruptcy, I can live with that. I'm not going to die, so let's just keep on uh, following our dreams and, and believe. Yeah. So now one of the questions that I like to ask my guests as well is if they could send a letter back in time to their younger entrepreneurial self, what would be in that letter? Now you shared with me that you actually wrote yourself a letter at some point mm -hmm. and you just uh, came across it not too long ago. So tell me that story. Yeah, I'd love to. Um, the, the, the message to, to the younger self, to be honest, right out of the gates is, is just relax. And, and, and I'll back that up with, with an amazing story, but you know, don't take everything so seriously. It will happen. Keep working hard, believe in yourself and just, just, just shoot for the finish line. And as long as you don't cheap out on yourself, you'll get there. Yeah. But what was really powerful to me, and I'd love to share this story, was, and I and I don't have the foresight to to pick this up, but I, but I wrote myself a letter. So uh, in this previous company, I had a I had a challenge I was dealing with, and five years later, I had this note show up. But so 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 kind of went like this: I was sitting on my couch after a really hard week. This is probably about a year and a half ago, two years ago now, and a notification in my email pops out and says you have date night Tuesday. And I said, oh shit. What, 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 what am I celebrating? What's going on? I thought I forgot an anniversary or something. Yeah, and I yeah. pulled this note up and it said date night. And I looked at it and instantly I forgot that I wrote it. But essentially, no, I wrote it five years earlier. And I set it in my Outlook calendar to notify me in five years time. And the note basically said, it said, hey, Pierce, you're writing this from your favorite sushi restaurant. Um, you just dropped your kid off. I've got two. I had one at the time. You dropped your kid off at your, your in-laws and you're having dinner with your wife and you're discussing how you're going to overcome this big challenge. This big challenge was essentially buying a partner out and it was a lot of money uh, at the time. And it said, I don't know how this is going to work out for you, but I'm sure you'll overcome it. Best of luck. Let me know how it goes. Love Pierce. And hit Sent, forgot it, it about it. Goosebumps, man. Man, yeah. it was so cool. And, and so it's, it's, it sent me this alert five years later. And, and Lance, I mean it when I say it, it couldn't have come at a better time. I don't know if you believe in fate, but I was having a tough, tough, tough weekend. One of those weeks where you sit down and go, what am I, am I really, do I need to be a business owner? Like, is this what I picked? Like, yeah. are you kidding me? And this note popped up and I read it. And immediately I just felt so happy with myself because that problem, I touched on it earlier, but that product problem at the time, I can't remember what it was, but it was buying a partner on it. It was, it was an amount of money that today is laughable and it was everything to me. I was that, I remember that clear as day, that amount of money, I've got it amortized over 10 years. How am I going to make these payments? My business can't support it. And, and I did it. And five years later, I'd give anything for that problem. And it was so powerful because in that moment I said, I wrote myself obviously another note. I didn't do it five days on the dot, but it was five, six days, whatever it was. And it was the same thing. This is your challenge today. How did it work out? But what's really awesome about that was just that foresight to do it because I tell a lot now that story I, when I tell it I tell my friends and be like like you are going to uh, overestimate 
what you can do in one year, but you're going to underestimate what you can do in five or seven. And that was it. I mean, since that, looking back at it, since that, that note came out or since I wrote that note, had another child, I've bought a couple more businesses. I've sold a business. I've started another business, you know, and like you look at it and go, whoa, like if you would have told me then what I'd be doing now, I would never have believed you. And so that note was just powerful in so many different ways. And, and I, I recommend it to anyone. Surprise yourself. You, you'd really be surprised what you can accomplish in a short period of time. Yeah, that's really cool. I'm really curious if you can remember when you wrote the note, what was going through your mind when you wrote it? I mean, obviously you were struggling with, with what was happening at that point in time, but to, to write yourself the letter, what were you thinking? What, what, what was going through your head? You know what, to be honest, I, I think the decision in my mind felt like it was so big that I needed to write myself a note to remind myself that I messed it up on that date if I failed. Like the, I, I, on, I honestly think that's what it was because I could be like, oh, never should have stroked that check. And, but at this, you know, and that was really what it was. It was so pivotal. It felt like that I needed to write myself a note reminding myself whether I made the right decision or the wrong decision. So and I clearly, I think I made the right decision, but it was, yeah. it, threw my, it was so monumental. So again, you look at it and go, so that's why I say when you ask your younger self, it's like, man, relax. Things are going to be hard. You're going to cry. You're going to have tears. You're going to leverage your home. All that good stuff that comes with business ownership. Yeah. Pick yourself up, get up, get onto it the next day. And, and next thing you know, five years goes by and you'll be all right. Yeah, that's awesome. This has been so wonderful, Pierce. I really enjoyed their conversation, the stories that you've shared, the experience. I think our audience is going to get a lot out of this episode. So thank you for that. And if somebody wanted to connect with you or learn more about Insurely, how how should they do that? Where should we send them? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can you can check me out on, on Instagram, uh, even at insurely.ca. You'll find a link to me there. Our website, uh, insurely.ca as well. You'll find, if you need to get a hold of me, you can find me on there. But uh yeah, it, it was it was so great to talk to you, Dan. I'm, I'm glad we got to do this. So thank you. Yeah, yeah, it was wonderful. And for those of you who are listening right now and you really enjoyed this episode, you want to check out some other stories of, of other entrepreneurs who've been in the trenches and are doing the things that you're wanting to do or that you are currently doing, uh, check out our archives over at amplifyyourbusiness.ca. That's where you're going to find all these incredible stories. And if you prefer the audio version only, you can find us on all of our, uh, or sorry, all of your favorite podcasting platforms out there, Spotify, Apple, whatever, it doesn't matter, we're there. So until next time though, everybody have a prosperous day and thank you once again, Pierce, I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much, everyone.